Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I am your host, Monique Guzman, as the passion instigator. And our topic today is Math to the Magic of Origami, Becoming a World-Renowned Master Artist. And our leading man today is Dr. Robert Lang, an origami artist and consultant. And uh, Dr. Lang has been folding origami for over 50 years. It is, uh, he is now recognized as one of the world's leading masters of the art with over 800 designs. Uh, his work combines the Western uh, School of Mathematics with uh, the Eastern emphasis of, of line and form. Uh, he has been exhibited in museums around the world, including Paris, Los Angeles, the Kaga Museum of Origami in Japan, the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And Dr. Lang was the first Westerner to be invited to address the Nippon Origami Association annual meeting in 1992. He's a pioneer of the marriage of origami with mathematics and welcome good morning robert how are you this morning i'm good monique thanks for having me on hi it's a pleasure i'm so excited to have you here um and now tell us what for those people that do not know what origami is what how would you simply uh, define origami Origami is a Japanese name for the art of paper folding, and we use the Japanese name because this art has very deep roots and a very rich history in Japan. And a a lot of the now worldwide uh, exploration of of origami uh, can be traced back to the Japanese form of the art. Uh, So we use the Japanese name, but it's probably worthwhile to note that many cultures around the world have had a tradition of of paper folding. Um, There's been paper folding in Europe that goes back centuries. Uh, Even in uh, Mesoamerica, going back hundreds of years, they made paper-like material and folded it to create ornaments and clothing and the like. So folding is is kind of universal. But but origami, the modern art, has taken it to someplace a little different than uh, yeah. than what was there throughout history. Right. And then now, you've been doing it for over 50 years, but I would like to share with our audience, you're an actual, you're, you're a physicist. So how did that work? <laughs> um, did you stop and then say, oh, I want to do origami, or were you doing origami first? How did that transition go from being this scientist to... Artist. 
But origami definitely came first. I, I started origami at age six, um, and I found some instructions in a craft book and thought, oh, this was fun, and I'm going to try this out. And, and then the bug kind of bit me, and so it's been a hobby and a, and a passion my entire life. And I never really expected it to be anything more than that when I was growing up. So I was interested in math and science throughout high school. Um, and when I went off to college and went to Caltech and I studied uh, first electrical engineering and then applied physics and uh, that led to work in lasers. Um, and I pictured my career would be as a physicist and uh, origami would, would be this, just this side hobby. Over the years, as I was doing, you know, physics during the day and origami nights and weekends, uh, the origami part grew. And in 2001, I decided to uh, at least spend a couple years uh, trying origami as a full-time activity. And that turned out to work out very well. So, uh, as in fact, for now over 20 years, I've been full-time origami. But the interesting thing is that a lot of the origami has turned out to involve applications in technology. And so I've ended up drawing on my engineering and physics background to kind of merge the merge mathematics, physics, engineering, and origami for at least some of the projects I've taken on. Right. I was just going to ask you, do you think, and, and, and also how much, is your success as a scientist has, has empowered your success as an artist? What, would you say that you, would you be in the same place you are now had you not been a scientist first? Oh, oh definitely not. Um, and part of that is one of, the things, one of the things that science sort of cultivates is this, this attitude of curiosity and, and trying to understand the underpinnings of really whatever you're studying. Um, and pretty early on, even back in graduate school, I started wondering if, uh, if I could use the mathematical techniques that I was using to solve laser problems, to, to use them to solve origami problems, where the goal was not to build a more powerful laser, but the goal was to create a piece of art that had, you know, certain shapes and properties and, and effects. And, uh, and because I had this mathematical background, I, I knew how to go, kind of go about trying yeah. to describe origami concepts in mathematical language. And that let me go much farther than I, in, in the origami world, than I think I could have done relying just solely on my intuition. Yeah, yeah, right. That makes sense. And do you, um, as an artist, and um, you're doing all these things all over the world, um, are you set up as a subcontractor, sole proprietor, or something else? And do you? What are what are some of the struggles as a artist having this as a business? Because you, you, it's a livelihood. What are those struggles that you have now that you it's all on you to do what you have to do to make ends meet? Well, as you say, it, it is a business, and 
structurally I am a sole proprietor, um, and that also means that I have to do everything. So, you know, people think being a, a full-time origami artist, you get to sit around all day and fold paper for fun. And that there's certainly an element of that, but there's also the marketing and the billing and dealing with con the contracts. Um, because most of my work is, is done on commission or as a consultant, it, it means pretty much every project has this layer of, of paperwork. We have to work out the job description, the statement of work, and put together a contract. And sometimes the client is happy to use my form, uh, but sometimes, especially with large companies, they say, no, we have our own contract uh, form and we want you to use it. And then I've got to read it and review it and look mm -hmm. for all of the terms that might be a little more onerous than I want to sign up to and negotiation. So there's a lot of non-origami parts that, uh, that, that become a challenge. Um, fortunately, I guess I was a little prepared for that because in my, in my physics work, when I was working for the company in Silicon Valley, um, and I was ultimately in charge of the R&D department, so I ended up getting involved in a lot of those aspects of marketing and contracts and legal work and so forth. So, so it wasn't a complete surprise uh, mm -hmm. to have to deal with that as well as, a, as an origami artist. Right, right. And do you, um, do you have an agent or a representative that, that, you know, that brings you work or are you, you know, hustling, trying to do networking and getting applying for this or that to get, you have so much exposure. How was it easy to get that exposure to get those, um, exhibitions, you know. Yeah, it's very much the latter. I, I, I don't have an agent um, and so have relied on, on word of mouth, uh, my website, um, and in the, uh, for quite a bit of that time, actually prior to COVID, a lot of my work was done uh, traveling, lecturing and teaching. And so that also kind of both got, got the word out and, uh, you know, one project would lead to another when it comes to lecturing. Someone would say, oh, I saw your, you know, I saw your presentation at this university or I saw your TED Talk. Um, could you come talk to my university about this sort of thing? Um, and similarly, in the, uh, the art end of, of the exhibitions, um, I've been fortunate to have my work in several traveling exhibitions uh, that, that featured it well. And so then those two led to further in, invitations. Um, and so I've, I've more relied on the networking approach, but uh, for the last 20 years, that's worked out pretty well. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, the, the networking, and I was going to make me think of another question. Um, do you, do you collaborate with, other origami artists where you team up to do projects? I have for, uh, for some commercial projects. For, you know, for, for a pure art project, you, you almost have to own, as an origami artist, kind of own the vision of the structure. But mm -hmm. I've had a couple of commercial projects that involve folding 
a lot of pieces. Uh, a, a television commercial for a car where we built almost an entire world out of origami. Um, and uh, a, a forest for a conservation uh, organization that, again, had many parts. And, and for that, I enlisted a good friend uh, and origami artist, Linda Tomoko Mihara from San Francisco, uh, and, and we worked together for a couple of days for one of them, a week for the other, to fold all of the parts, divvying up, saying, okay, you'll take, you'll take the Victorian houses and I'll take the animals, you know, this day and, and, and so forth. And that worked out quite well. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I watched your TED Talk a couple of times. Um, and if anyone likes out there that's listening to those TED Talks, I highly encourage you to listen to uh, Robert Lang's uh, TED Talk on origami. It's fascinating. Um, you, I have to laugh because some of those designs, my God, and again, everybody that's uh, listening, it's one piece of paper, a square, a square, I think it's usually a square, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, and it just folds, and it's just, oh, yeah, and then when you speak about it, you just say, yeah, it's super easy. <laughs> just like I think it was a, a snake that had, I don't know, how many scales, like, I don't know, 800, 400 scales or something, um, and you, it just blew my mind the the the, the uh, work that that you have that you showed on the, the TED talk, and it was quite enjoyable. It was easy to 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 watch, and it was amazing, amazing. Um, uh, now you have used origami um, in your in your designs. In now, in I saw the commercial. That was amazing. That was great. With the car commercial in the background, and then um, you did some work on some some space uh, projects, correct? Yes, that's right. So I did a project uh, for Lawrence Livermore Lab um, back in about nine, 1999. It was a, a telescope lens that had to unfold. Um, and uh, they approached me to uh, see if there were origami patterns that would work. And uh, so I developed a couple of patterns for the project, one, one of which they adopted. And then more recently, um, a project at Jet Propulsion Lab here in Pasadena called Starshade, where, uh, again, I, I used, developed a, the computer code that described how to fold a particular family of, of patterns. And uh, then they used that, uh, both the folding concept and some of the code, and and then built on, on that. Um, and it, it's probably all important to mention in all of these projects that, um, you know, the, that the folding is, is maybe 1% or less of all the incredible engineering that has to get done for any of these space structures. So it's, I, I do, I'm happy to think of it kind of as the kernel at the beginning, but, oh, okay. uh, but, but I am in awe of the uh, of the engineering prowess of, of, of NASA and the, the contractors who, who build these things um, and, and deal with lots and lots of, of problems that us origami folks get to kind of sweep under the rug. Right, right, right. You're like the creative director, so to speak. Like, it can be done and this, but now they figure out the material and the joints and how this is going to, get super small to get up there. Um, yeah. 
and then I, I saw that also that it's used in medicine. Um, the origami, uh, I guess it was a valve or um, a, was it a heart thing? I can't remember. I think uh, that was well, one of incredible. The, yeah, one of the earliest applications of origami in medicine was work done not by me but by a professor at Oxford and his uh, postdoc. Her name was Kauri Kurabayashi. And it, uh, it was a stent. Uh, so it's essentially a tube that holds open a blocked artery. But it used an origami pattern to uh, allow that tube to collapse down to a smaller size so it could be threaded through the, through the body, through the blood vessels, until it got to the blockage. And, and kind of the interesting aspect of that is that the, the fold pattern that they used is based on a, an ancient pattern called the water bomb base. And uh, by making uh, an array of these water bomb bases, that allowed the, the tube to do the collapsing motion. And it kind of points out an Im- important aspect of origami and technology is that the people who first come, come up with the folding patterns may not be anticipating the application that would be used later on, like a, a stent or medicine. But, uh, but it turn, these things turn out to be useful very often. And, and it, so it sort of speaks to the value of pursuing things just for curiosity or artistic sake, that it may have an application, but it's worth pursuing them just all on their own. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. Um, we are now going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in a big and small ways. Thank you for support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. And we are back with uh, Dr. Robert Lang. Um, Robert, I wanted to ask you, you something on the fun side, uh, aside from the medicine and the science applications to your origami, you were, your work was uh, featured in a motion picture. Um, tell us which picture, uh, which film, and what, what, where is your work in the film, and what were the, the, the creatures or models that, that you made? Uh, well, the film was Coraline, and um, <clears throat> the uh, specific things they asked me to make were a set of dragonflies. As, as people may know, Coraline was done with stop motion, so all of the characters were essentially filmed real small models of all the characters mm-hmm. and activities. At one point, um, a, uh, a set of origami dragonflies come to life and fly around the room. And so for that one, the producers asked me to fold the set of dragonflies, which I did using some of my own designs. One of the challenges for doing uh, 
film or also TV commercials, which I've done a few with stop motion, is that you need to uh, make it possible for the people to position, to change the positions of the elements. So in addition to folding the dragonflies, I had to hide very thin wires inside the origami so that they could fold the wings up and down and make them look like they were flying as they did their stop motion work. Wow. Was that fun for you to do this work on the film for the dragonflies? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, first off, of course, I just I, I got to fold my own designs and folding is my my work is also fun. But there's always uh, there's kind of a little bit of a challenge in these projects when there's something unusual thrown in there, um, you know, like making them suitable for stop motion and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solving those challenges are, are it's, it's like solving puzzles. There's some inherent funness in that as well. Right, right. And, and the, um, it's, it's, it's very um, apropos right now, the timing of, of being today is Halloween. And um, if you are looking for something to watch, watch Caroline and see if you can find the dragonflies. That will be um, perfect for the theme for the, what is the day of, of Halloween. Um, so uh, I have another question for you. What is in your work, and being that you are uh, also a scientist, I guess you never stop being a scientist. You're always curious. Um, what is important to you when you're doing your work? Do you and like, do you do, would you ever say no to a job? What keeps you focused on what you want to do? I, I definitely have said no to jobs, um, and even more so, I, I guess, in, in recent years. Um, I think what one of the things that's important is is that the project be fun, um, and and I guess I've been fortunate enough to to have enough. Uh, opportunities come my way that that I'm I, I can afford to be a little selective in that way. So, for example, I've had inquiries where someone says, you know, would you fold a bunch of relatively simple figures that are that are just going to be used for decoration somewhere, and and just folding a lot of the same thing where there's not a lot of challenge in the folding. You know, that's the sort of thing one could do. I mean, the sort of thing that you could make money off of, but it's not as interesting as, as you know, coming up with a new design or folding something that is challenging. And so th- that's sort of the project I might well, have turned down. Um, conversely, a, a more recent project, one I'm working on right now, is uh, for a restaurant, a display of, of koi using one of my designs for a koi that features a, a custom, custom-made custom paper made by a, a good friend and paper artist named Michael LaFosse. And, uh, and this one, uh, even though it's folding a lot of the same thing, a lot of the fish, is a, each fish is pretty challenging to fold. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's that additional draw that, that says, okay, I'm, I'm going to be testing myself, and I, can I try out some, some new ways of sort of realizing the of treating the paper to do the folding, and uh, so that makes it interesting. And I said yes, and, and took the project, and and I'm well into it right now. Yeah. 
so you don't do the work just for the sake of the work, but but you but the but because you can say that because you are successful and you are where you are. So what do you attribute then your success to be able to say no to certain jobs and be picky to what is gives you you know satisfaction and fulfillment? Well, I, th- I think a lot of it was that back in the early 2000s, um, there was kind of the early days of, of the Internet uh, of websites, and I definitely wanted a high-quality website that, uh, that people would, would find. And, and I think I had a little bit of a unique story with the uh, combination of, of, of mathematics and origami and the applications and just the fact that the origami I was doing was, was pretty advanced and a lot of people hadn't seen that before. And the, I, the combination of those circumstances was enough to bring me enough business that I could um, both you know, pay the bills uh, during that time but also start, start to be a, a little selective um, but I've also, I mean, I've also said no to jobs where I just, I didn't think it was a good fit, um, you know, where I thought someone else would be better for what the person needed. Um, when I would talk about origami and show examples of, you know, the heart stents and the satellites and, 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 and other things like that, uh, this ultra-miniature origami, and people would see that, and they'd approach me and say, well, I have this project, um, and, and they almost think of origami might have be sort of a magic bullet or uh, have, have some magical property. And, but yet when I, they described the problem, I could see that more conventional engineering or, or what's called uh, paper engineering, paper sculpture that involves a lot of cutting and gluing, might mm-hmm. work better, would likely work better for them than something that's closer to pure origami, which, as you noted earlier, is generally folding without cuts. And mm-hmm. so right. I'm not a, in engineering, I'm not averse to incorporating cuts um, because, you know, you solve the problem that you're presented with. But if it's something that a lot of cutting and gluing would, would actually be better and I'd say, you know, there are, and there are artists out there who specialize in a lot of cutting and gluing and folding, and so, you know, that would work better for your project. Right, right, right. So you're pretty, you're honest, and, and uh, if, you, if you know that something could be better, you'll say so. And um, would you, what would you call, and <laughs> that put you on the spot here, um, I always ask my guests, what is your superpower, do you think, that puts you as different than others? I th- yeah, I think the superpower might be um, that the ability to take a to take a, a a rough concept of a design and and systematically break it down into the steps that would allow it to be realized with folded paper or, or folded other materials. Uh, both artistically and technologically, I've yeah. been interested in branching out into other materials. So, and, and in engineering, it's rarely made of paper. So 
the folding often applies to a, a polymer or a plastic or metal or or even wood and uh, but the fold the the folding designs and and the approach can be the same for any of those materials right right it sounds like uh, you enjoy using both your left side and right side of brain the math and the art uh, not too many people know how to do that. I think they're inex- sorry. I, I think they're inextricably uh, uh, joined or, or woven. You know, people talk about is this are, are you being an artist or are you being a scientist? And I find that everything I do is a mixture of, of both. So there's there's hardly a, a division there. Um, sometimes it's more science, sometimes it's more art, but there's always some of one in the other. Right. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you uh, on that. Uh, that's how I, I, I work as well. Um, in case our listeners may want to reach out to, uh, to you after our show, how would you like our listeners to contact you? Um, I encourage them to visit my website, langoregami.com. That's L-A-N-G-O-R-I-G-A-M-I.com. And you'll see a, a prominent contact me link on the on the site, and uh, so where you can send me information or questions. Or um, I'm always happy to answer questions. I answer all my emails, so uh, I, I welcome inquiries on any topic. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And we'll also have the link to your website on the uh, show page as well. So if you didn't catch that, um, you can look at that. Um, so that's our show for today. And I'd like to say thank you to Dr. Robert Lang for being our leading man um, for today. And thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Womanly Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast. So for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening. And remember to live every day passionately because life is short. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful Halloween. And thank you so much. Dr. Lang, for being my guest today. You're welcome. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.